to uh, Hilliard Beacon Podcast Election Special uh, number five, I do believe, in the recording order. My name is Jordan Smith, and I'd like to welcome in usual friends of the show, Tim Hoffman. Good evening. It's really, really latching on to that as the signature opening. Uh, for the, uh, at least through the spooky season. I see. It's good evening. We're themed here. And Kevin Corvo. Ciao, listeners. All right, ciao. International flavor. Let's do this. (laughs) Welcome to it. And we are here this evening with candidate for Hilliard City Council, uh, JT. And this is, I'm going to take blind pass on this, and then I want you to take your blind pass on this, and then I want you to take your blind pass on this, and then I want you to grade us. Okay, Okay. sounds good. But don't give the game away after the first offering, okay? Because I've heard it seven times. We were at Meet the Candidate (laughs) Night, all of us, and it was like, Everybody that addressed you had a different way of saying it. So, <laughs> I'm going to say Isseldyke. Tim? I'm going with Isseldyke. Isseldyke. Kevin? I think that's the correct pronunciation. All right, we've, we're all unified. Okay, you, you all have the last part right, but the first part is very much wrong. It's Isseldyke. Isseldyke! Yes. There you Hot go. Hot damn, <laughs> that's very different. It is. It is. I'm so glad to hear See, from this the man himself. Isle, right up top. Isseldyke. Isseldyke. Isle. Eiseldyke. With the yeah. Z inflect. Yes, it stands for we were dike watchers on the Eisel River over in Holland. So that's Eiseldyke. Okay. Very, very so interesting in, history. In Dutch, that Y is an I sound. Yes, it's spelled over there. It's spelled I-S-S-J-E-L. Names that mean something. <laughs> Man. Okay, I love that. So I, I studied Slavic stuff. So when I see that Y, I go ye. Yeah. But it's I. I. Like, it's Dutch. That's awesome. Well, and that is uh, who we're here to speak with this evening, J.T. Eiseldyke, and we are happy to have him. He is, uh, as I mentioned, a candidate for Hilliard City Council, a first-time candidate. Uh, At Meet the Candidates Night, uh, just because you are a first-time candidate doesn't mean you lack experience. Um, It was kind of interesting to see how people... uh, drew on that or tried to access that and see and see what you had to say about that experience um, we hope that tonight is just a nice introduction to people in a slightly longer form <clears throat> less truncated answers more opportunity to talk through <coughs> excuse me position and or policy uh, and I just wanted to let Tim kind of introduce the show in general and kind of what we're trying to do with it Sure. Uh, speaking from a perspective of, you know, the environment we're trying to generate and things of that nature. So uh, here at the Beacon, we are uh, honored to be kind of the only people covering Hilliard in detail for local news. So uh, it's really important to us that we do a good job of it. So we want to make sure that um, when we're bringing people in, it's a convivial environment where everybody feels comfortable uh speaking their piece on stuff you know we want to hear how you really feel about things and have it come out in a a, like a fraternal spot because ultimately uh we're grateful to the people that run for office to do these jobs on a local level so we're here to get a good view on uh, what you have to think about certain things. We've got questions. A lot of it's around the community plan. Um, we're just going to talk through stuff and get a feel for um, you as a candidate. Yeah, you as a candidate, what you think about what's going on in Hilliard. That's our goal. Well, I do appreciate you guys all being here. and. I definitely think it's important to have a local news source. I, we see Columbus Dispatch slowly going downhill. We hardly see any local stuff in there anymore, and it's just great appreciated to see uh, just something local going on. I definitely remember reading the, the local Hilliard paper all the time growing up. So, right. Yeah, and that was kind of our thinking here behind the continuation of that is that those kind of connections, those kind of stories, those kind of uh, uh, issues that come up over and over again deserve a history and by doing this kind of thing through kevin and with kevin uh we're able to continue that history and kind of provide that document yeah not to mention kevin has been covering news in hilliard your entire life (laughs) right (laughs) so it's um, it's incredible to have kevin here because he has uh so much perspective having like been elbows deep in all of this stuff the whole the whole time yeah so maybe we open up there. Uh, Kevin will mention 
sometimes about how he proceeded through the Hilliard school system. Maybe, JT, why don't you take us through some of your early uh, experiences here in Hilliard as you were born, raised here, graduated through the schools here. What was your path? Well, one of my first earliest memories of life that I can remember is moving into the city of Hilliard. Moved here in 04 uh, during the Valentine's Day peak blizzard. All I remember is me walking in a few things, plopping me in a corner of, the, of our new house. I watched TV the rest of the day with my brother. But uh, the, the, those are some of my very first fond memories of Hilliard. Um, but I went to St. Brendan's first through uh, sixth grade, and I attended Hilliard City Schools preschool through kindergarten, and then um, seventh, eighth, and uh, high school. Graduated from Bradley High School in 2018. Uh, definitely made a lot of good friends um, throughout uh, my school year. Um, some of my fondest memories were in high school, whether it be in theater, choir, or uh, even in uh, the marching band. What did you play in marching band? Uh, I was a trombone player. Uh, don't ask me to play now because I haven't practiced in a few years, so I'm probably pretty bad at it. Okay, <laughs> that's cool. My... Uh my eldest is in eighth grade and looking at doing band next year or something. Okay, what's that going to What's that instrument going to be? Yeah, She's going to play in the pit. Ah, she, okay. She does percussion, so she'll be playing marimba and that kind of stuff. I always thought that that would be a super cool second instrument to learn. The marimbas are super, super cool to play and also an awesome instrument to listen to. Yeah, they're really cool. Um, so I'm not going to be able to watch the games. I need to get a job with the band. <laughs> I will I will be the marimba Sherpa. Yes. <laughs> I played I studied for 3 years okay. percussion in college. So it's a very exciting that she's doing that. They so need more parents in there, so definitely definitely hats off to you for that. Well, we'll see. We'll see if I actually do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of folks that come through regularly, uh, band supporters and band parents that are always on the move. Uh, supporting students in that and that's kind of one of those symbiotic relationships that exists in close-knit communities that uh, where the the school door ends doesn't mean the community relationship stops and uh, marching band is just one of many uh, activities that we've all uh, grown to love and appreciate here in Hilliard as part of our offering in central Ohio but uh, JT you kind of took us up through your high school um, graduation what was your focus i mean we're dealing with kind of a limited time frame mm -hmm. here just because you're young though doesn't mean you lack meaningful experience uh take us through college like what was the course you're obviously now working in the state house uh what was the course in higher education so higher education well first off it was uh it was an entertaining ride, to say the least. I was in there during peak COVID. Um, so talk about higher education and a different learning atmosphere. It's definitely a unique experience for me. Uh, but went to Bowling Green State University, got a bachelor's degree in criminal justice, minor in political science. Um, I always said I always wanted to go work in the federal government, be like an FBI. I was big into criminal minds. I was like, I'll go be a criminal minds Some person. Type of profiler. Yeah, yeah, profile, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, then. Department's 10 people in the whole yeah, country. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I didn't realize that until I got into college. Um, but I, uh, several events led me to the switch um, to going into politics, one of it being, I'll, I'll just share a brief story here. I think it's a great story. Um, I had a class uh, one morning, 8 a.m. class in our education building, and then about a 45-minute window before my next class started on the second floor of the education building. In that time period, I just worked on homework, um, hung out, read some books, stuff like that. Uh, just so happened in that previous um, in the classroom that my next class was going to be in, um, it was a public administration class. Began talking to the professor in between before and after the class and uh, got to listen in on some great speakers as I'm sitting out in the hallway. One day she announced she was going to have a midterm. I was like, ooh, you know it'd be fun is if I, as someone not in the class, would take that midterm. Mm. So I went up to her. She said, that's a great idea. I took that midterm. I did – decent i got a c plus on it wasn't right. the best wasn't the worst but then again i wasn't in the class right. um <laughs> she, she went out um and the next day class said guys there's a student out here that's not even a part of this class that did better than some of you in this class like <laughs> you guys need to do better uh and she helped me set me up with an internship at the state house worked there for over the summer of 2021 uh, as a legislative page, basically the grunt intern of the whole uh, house. Um, once I finished up there, um, our head of HR said, come back and we'll give you a job. I said, you don't need to tell me twice. So here I am working full time at the Ohio State House. Love every minute of it. Get to work with great coworkers, great representatives, and uh, get to meet with great constituents around the state of Ohio. 
So uh, what's a work day at the State House look like for you, JT? Typical work day. Uh, if the boss is in, uh, it's more of a hectic day. Uh, it'll be me uh, in and out of meetings with him, taking notes, um, basically being a right-hand man, uh, answering phone calls. Uh, if we have committee, I'll be in committee, uh, helping staff committee, mm-hmm. um, whether that be taking a roll call, doing the minutes for committee, stuff like that. Um, and that's pretty much a normal day for me. Uh, once the committees are done, it's pretty pretty much session. Mm-hmm. The only time he needs me for session is, say, he needs me to go run him and get a, a drink or get a pizza because sometimes these sessions can go well into 4 a.m. as it did a few months ago, which was kind of crazy. Um, we didn't talk at all about who the boss is. <laughs> so my boss is State Representative Brian Stewart. He represents uh, Pickaway, Madison, and uh, Brown Township in Franklin County here. Ash Ashville? Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. 12, yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, overall, how did you find uh, working for uh, Representative Stewart? He's a great guy. Love him. Um, he's definitely passionate about his subject matter. Um, we definitely have similarities in our passions, so we definitely share in that uh, the passion together in, in our in our uh, our bills that we work on. Um, it, it's just a great working experience. I have no complaints against him. Very cool. Were you uh, officially on staff leading up to the August special election? I was. Yes. How do you feel that went for Representative Stewart? Well, I uh, I can't say I participated much on the campaign side of things. Um, I was more just on the official passing it out of the legisl- legislature. Uh, I will say uh, I was hopeful for it to pass, um, but ultimately the people of Ohio decided on it, and uh, we'll have to move on from it. But uh, I, uh, I think that... Um, Overall, it was a pretty good experience for me. I can add it to my resume that I uh, worked on possibly a constitutional amendment to the state Ohio Constitution. It was an honor to work on it, um, even though it wasn't the right outcome that we were hoping for, but it was still an honor and privilege. Well, I mean, I think we talked with some other people that uh, Brian Perry, for example, had a couple unsuccessful runs for school board before he broke through and... Uh, was a uh, successful attaining the seat. Sure, and this I think, is Kelly Arnold's second time right, running. So I think the point is, <clears throat> if you're afraid to lose, you're in the wrong business, essentially. Uh, I think, if I remember right, Frank LaRose said, if you didn't believe you could get 60% of your vote total, you shouldn't put something up for a constitutional amendment. And I found it slightly humorous that it was actually the reverse of that that the issue lost by but uh that's important to maintain that perspective and say you introduced it you worked hard on it you believed in it you uh uh, set your sights on it and, and worked to get it passed and it didn't where do you go from there it's not going to be reintroduced in its existing form uh, the chances of it being reintroduced uh, in a meaningful way before the November election are not possible. So is the 60% formula going to be approached again, do you think, from that, from that perspective in the Ohio State House? Or I know this is a bit far-ranging, but like we're yeah. talking about your experience, and this is your meaningful work experience. So I don't know what people's thoughts are about 60%. I mean, I talk with my coworkers all the time. And our personal beliefs are it's probably not going to be – we're probably not going to do it for many, many years to come uh, if we do try and do it again. Um, I think the, the, the people have spoken, and uh, it's time to move on with that, and uh, we'll see what uh, amendments are coming down the pike. As we see now in November, we have the, the two amendments, Issue 1 and Issue 2, uh, among with other amendments coming down the pike, like uh, minimum wage. We're seeing that come down. So it's all just very interesting to see, uh, see how everyone votes. And then just a quick follow-up before I turn to Kevin for his first question of the show. Uh, if you are elected, how do you feel, will you be able to balance these two very time-intensive careers? I mean, the thing with Hilliard City Council is, yes, on books, it's only you're committed for X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z, but you've got a lot of reading to do. You've got a lot of talking to people to do. You've got a lot of work to do, uh, regardless of what you're on the books for. Uh, similarly, a congressional aide, uh, is probably doing a lot 
Uh, how do you feel you'll be able to do that, or will you be able to do that, or have you decided on a course of action? I'm pretty confident that I can do it. There's uh, several aides that are also on city councils in various cities around the state of Ohio, mm-hmm. and they're able to juggle the uh, the balance between uh, their local level and state level. Um, so I've I've learned from them how to handle it, um, and I'm pretty good at separating between the two. Um, uh, it sounds it's it seems to me like you don't care about much else. Now, I, I like right. to say it's I like, live, breathe, and like, die politics. Yeah, it's like you're ha- <laughs> it seems to me like you're genuinely happy to be doing that work. And yes. if it takes most of your energy, I think that's not a downside. No, it brings me pride and joy to work with some great people and working with constituents, um, particularly ones that are uh, uh, kind and respectful. I wish there were more of them of that, but uh, overall it's a great experience and I uh, can't wait to get a more hands-on experience uh, in a more physical role on the local level. Well, it's all layered together. And as uh, the evolution of your political career goes on, I'm sure you'll try to add as many different components of that as possible. Kevin, did you have something you wanted to lead off with? Sure. I think you answered this in part, JT. Um, I've covered city council for 25 years in Hilliard. I don't think, and I did not look this up, but I can't recall any serving member of Hillary City Council that would be as young as you if you're elected. I've covered other cities. Uh, Whitehall City Council had a very, had an early 20-year-old um, that was on their city council um, a while ago. Uh, but anyone under 25 serving on a local city council or school board in an urban area, mm-hmm. I th- relatively rare. So what inspired you, or is there anything that inspired you while in high school, while in junior high school, that led you to where you thought you might go into politics? Or, did, or, what is a thunder, or was it a thunderbolt at Bowling Green that you described and what set you on a path into p- politics? So I think it's been multiple factors. I think the biggest factor, though, was probably the 2016 presidential election. I know it was a lightning bolt for a lot of people here in America. Um, definitely got people engaged and uh, geared up and actually back into politics. And so I'm. A, that's what made me realize, hey, politics is something that I think I could have an interest in. I started exploring more of it in, uh, once I get into college, um, whether it be my various uh, extracurricular activities. I was a part of Turning Point USA. I was a part of... Um, um, uh, the, uh, sorry, brain fart, um, model UN, uh, in, uh, Bowling Green. Uh, so I definitely got more and more engaged in politics as I, I went on, uh, through my uh, college career and, uh, whether it be the professor who helped me guide me to the path of the state house, um, as well as, um, those other factors has helped me drive me to where I am today. Okay. Were you on student council in... High school? Or no, I high? tried to run for student council in uh, Bowling Green, but sadly lost. Okay. Uh, but Were you involved in any local campaigns supporting other candidates? I've, I've uh, door-knocked for various people, um, whether it be uh, some of the local um, state legislatures around Franklin County. Um, I've door-knocked for Omar Tarazi when he ran. Um, I uh, Probably my first door-knocking experience is door-knocking for Les Carrier. Uh, he's, he and I are good family friends, so I was more than happy to uh, door-knock with him. Was Les an influence on you becoming interested in and getting into politics at all? I don't. I don't know if he I knew he was running uh, like I knew he was on city council, but I didn't think that it it played necessarily a role. But definitely once uh, I started thinking about running for Hilliard, he's kind of been sort of my mentor in it. So I'm greatly appreciated for his uh, his guidance and his uh, mentorship for me to where I am. Right. And it's obvious in the community that he's he's a big supporter of you. Yeah. Are you do you have mentors at the state house or resources at the state house that can help you if elected to city council? help you understand and, and do your job effectively as a councilman. Are there resources or, or people you can talk to at the state house? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, some of my coworkers are on city council or on school boards themselves. They're great resources. I've already gone to them, talked to them. One's running for the first time as well. So we're kind of like comparing and offering each other help and assisting when it comes to door knocking and uh, that, that like. Uh, but my boss, Representative Stewart, actually served on his first um, time in any public health office was on the Asheville City Council. So he's been a mentor towards me on the uh, on, from the state house side. Hmm. Uh, as a member of the the slate, I think that's 
what they're calling it. It's a slate. Mm -hmm. And you're running as part of the Save Hilliard campaign uh, along with some other candidates. And in that way, they've expressed five, I guess you could say, campaign positions. Uh, And when we had Les in, he kind of talked a little bit about things from the perspective of the Scioto Property Owners Collective uh, in the in the um, not know but what framework that he uses. Um, What do you think of, say, the two of those five points, any of the two of the five that uh, Save Hilliard has kind of expressed as central to your campaign? I know at Meet the Candidate Night you spoke a lot about missing middle housing options. Uh, if that was your input into those campaign kind of platforms and planks, I, I kind of detected that a thread through your thought process. But why don't you talk a little bit about uh, how you interpret Save Hilliard? Yeah, definitely. Um, so my interpretation of Save Hilliard, and I, I love all my other counterparts. I think they're great people. Uh, but um, one of my biggest things was indeed the uh, affordable uh, missing middle housing option. Uh, as a young person, I'd love to uh, live in Hilliard, own a house here, raise kids here, have them go through the school district. Uh, I think we have an awesome community, awesome village, as my mom likes to call it. And I'd love to stay here and long into my old age. I think it's the perfect home base um, to, 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 to grow up and uh, to live in. Uh, but definitely that missing middle is something that I'm super passionate about here. Uh, the other thing is uh, economic stability. Um, to, uh, I, I, um, oh, sorry. Um, the Amazon data centers are a great um, addition to it to keep in our taxpayers' dollars low, as well as uh, the new ADS center. I think that's great. That's a TIF used responsibly, uh, not out of control like in Columbus, uh, stuff like that. Um, but other than that, um, those are pretty much my big... Um, big contributions to the concerns regarding the safe Hilliard. Okay. Do you think it's appropriate to run on that kind of polarizing language in a local municipality? What do you mean by that? I just mean save Hilliard and claiming that as one side of an argument, essentially because back several years ago when issue 26 didn't pass, they didn't dissolve the partisan distinctions at the city council level. So there are still Republicans and Democrats, mm-hmm. and it would be kind of odd if I didn't notice that it was all Republicans under the Save Hilliard banner. So do you think it's responsible to run under language like that? I think Save Hilliard is 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 a true wording for what it is. Um, once once the November election happens, we go to the zoning. Once the zoning's done, it's pretty hard to come back from um, what's being proposed. So I definitely think save Hilliard is an appropriate word for it. Um, but I definitely think, uh, and I'm definitely for collaboration on both sides. That's one thing that I appreciate about my boss at the state house is um, him working across party lines from Democrats and Republicans working on, on several bills together. Um, and I look forward to working with the Dems. I think there are uh, several Democrats, Democrats in the Ohio state house don't have much choice when it comes to who they get to work with. <laughs> they don't have much representation. True. True. Uh, uh-huh. Maybe we'll talk about gerrymandering. Uh, but <laughs> That's not JT's fault. That's not just necessarily no, JT's no. <laughs> fault, but I think JT does enjoy the advantage. Uh, I think that's that's only fair to say. It, I'm just... I'm just both, both sides gerrymander. California super gerrymander to one side. Ohio's gerrymander to one side. Like, it's... It's it is definitely a, a two two edged street. Both sides like to gerrymander, but I do appreciate job security. Well, it's good that we can it's good that we can call it what it is. Uh, yeah, which is gerrymandering. Um, but again, I think that it's fair to say that uh, Save Hilliard conceives of itself as making meaningful distinctions in what they believe is the future course of Hilliard. Uh, Given that, when we're talking about some of these conceptual drawings and everything, I I went to the Save Hilliard rally mm-hmm. and I saw some of the handouts and some of the materials and things like that. Similarly, I'm kind of wondering, like, how do you feel about handing out those colored maps and saying this is what we're trying to save Hilliard from becoming, but you're cropping out the disclaimers present in all the maps that say exactly that the area plan concepts are general guides to indicate potential development options 
plans are schematic only. The actual mix of land uses, locations, and configurations of buildings, parking areas, streets, and access points will be determined through the public review process for individual development projects. Properties retain all existing rights. I mean, we've all read the 166 pages, and it's all there. And we might say that's boilerplate. And like you say, once the zoning happens, other things can happen. Mm -hmm. But again, that does go through the public review process. That does go through public input process. That does go through needing a buyer and a seller and a developer and all those things. So is it really a meaningful distinction when, say, if Hilliard is saying this is what's going to happen when this city of Hilliard has published documents that say this is not necessarily what's going to happen? Yeah, I think that saying it's not necessarily going to happen doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Sure. Obviously, the maps are showing what is the maximum possibility of it going to happen. Um, and so I think it's important to make that distinction. It is the, the maps that were handed off to Safe Hillard was a great visualization. Many people came up to us afterwards and said, I had no idea this was happening. This visualization is awesome, same as the, the video that was released. It's a great representation. It may not be exactly like someone mentioned that the, the, the corner apartment that was in the video, that's going to be in urgent care. Yes, that's correct. But it is to give visualization so people understand what could go there. Um, so th that, that's the whole reasoning behind it. Sure. I, um, think, I think we all know it's an election. Yes. And you're all trying to you know, create meaningful difference. I just wanted to get your perspective on that because I think, as you've said, and as you've started your career in the Statehouse and stuff, you've talked about mentorship. You've talked about serving with integrity. Meaningful differences aside, collaborative government needs to be an ongoing situation. Yeah. So... You know, creating distinctions that kind of polarize in that way, there will be fence mending to do regardless of uh, people's election outcomes. Mm -hmm. And I think, do you feel that uh, if elected, your first priority would be to repeal significant portions of the community plan as less indicated? I think we definitely need to reevaluate it, um, bring it not necessarily back to the drawing board, but definitely get more community input from it. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people that said they had no idea that this was happening. Mm. Um, a lot of people, especially in the, in the suburbs, had no idea that this was happening. Um, I, I do like to give a hats off to the steering committee. I think they, 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 they did a good job trying to put together all the information that they did have. Um, but, uh, for example, going to the Crooked Can, they said they went to the Crooked Can all the time. That's great. But I feel like there should have been done more to reach out to the community, whether that be reaching out to the local neighborhoods, saying, hey, this is happening. You should go to this event. Um, I maybe only saw it once in the um, the Hilliard community group chat in on Facebook about the uh, comprehensive plan before it was uh, before the uh, information was deadline. What do you feel uh, the role of city government would be if elected to strengthen that kind of communication, to improve that kind of communication? What would be some steps that you would take or try to suggest as part of that whole body to improve that output so that people aren't left on the back foot? Because that's what we're trying to do here, make things current, make things now so that people get involved at the right time as opposed mm -hmm. to thinking that they need to make a saving throw at the very last moment. Yeah. So. Talk a little bit about that, about what you see for the future of communication in Hilliard from the city. I think it's important that we reach out to, uh, like I said, the local neighborhood um, chats. They need to post in the um, the big Hilliard people in the know chats on Facebook. Um, they can have us as city council members reach out directly to people that we know in the community and say, hey, this event's going on. We'd love to have you here. We'd love to have more community input on the matter. Do you uh, know if they did any mailings? Yes. They did mailings? Yes. I lived in Amlin. That's why I didn't get them. Maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but I, I know that they did mailings. And I, know, I mean, they had a lot of public meetings, but again, I am always, I dislike the small room, and the small room yeah. is relative. Now, Les will say, we're going to put it up in front of 35,000 people, and we'll see what they say, but we all know that 35,000 people don't vote. Correct. Uh, we all know that a very small percentage of people actually vote in local elections at the municipal level. I so, wish everyone voted. Of course. <laughs> I think we should all strive to increase voter turnout and participation, especially here in Hilliard. But that kind of leads on to one of the things that I usually talk about, and it's kind of dovetailing with something that you're hoping for in better communication and better organization. I look at the city organizational chart all the time. I use it as my header in a lot of emails that I send out mm -hmm. to people. And it goes exactly like this. 
city residents right at the top. Below that, you've got city council and the city manager, and you've got commissions and all these other things. Below the city resident level, everybody's organized. Everybody is working. Everybody has goals and opportunities to contribute from aides all the way up to elected positions. What is not organized are the citizens of the city of Hilliard. So in order to give all this beautiful new administration and ongoing effort that's going into redeveloping or planning to redevelop, what do you say to the possibility and the potential of instituting something similar to ward representation? I personally don't know much about wards. I know we do have wards in the city of Hilliard, but we don't use them for some odd reason. It's they very exist, confusing. They exist <laughs> only to be used in certain... Central committee. Right, yeah. and planning and zoning issues and things like that. So they're there, which means they're ready. Yeah. So, you know, I think I'm, I am very excited by the potential of having regular recurring meetings in our neighborhoods. Yeah, I'm, I'm always open to any way to increase more du- direct democracy, to getting more people involved in the elections, both locally, state, federally. I think it's very important that people understand and knows what's going on. I think most people are engaged in the federal level, um, but most people don't realize that federal level, very little gets done, as we can tell what happened this week. Um, but uh, I don't think people realize that most of the laws and most of the rules and taxes and stuff like that that you do abide by happen on the local and state level. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that makes me think of a question uh, I thought of earlier today for you, JT. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we live in a time where um, political division in our country is extremely nasty. Um, and toxic. And people legitimately hate each other. Oh, yeah. Um I received the worst possible horrendous phone calls you could ever receive after issue one, like saying that I should go kill myself and my entire family and that I should be executed. It's, it was the most horrendous, so I understand. So um, people are not – people get upset and they're not nice to each other. And that is a feature of our national sort of federal level. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the conversation. Well, the media – hot pot and everything gets absolutely turned it's up very to a million. it's very oh, yeah. profitable for some very nasty people um what we like about um smaller scale local governments is those we we don't need to do that we don't have to do that and there are a, a wide range of viewpoints and uh, people are all over the political spectrum in Hilliard. We have people that are very far to the right. We have people very far to the left. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's okay. These are all of, these are all our neighbors. Yes. What is something you can do on city council to help shield our local politics from the toxicity of the national level and 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 just the the awful the awful state of uh discourse in uh, in the U.S., how can we? How can you help us do better than that in Hilliard? Well, I think it's important that local uh, local candidates and local council members and those on staff. Uh, it's important for them to be seen together laughing and joking. I know when the um, council was in session, everyone's super serious and attacks can be thrown at each other. But the second the camera goes off, there's laughing and joking and stuff like that. So we definitely need to see more of that, uh, definitely more public uh, outings together. And, and for example, for Hillary people in the know, it can, be, it can get sometimes pretty visceral uh, when it comes to uh, opposite beliefs. I think it's important that local candidates can come in and be like, hey, I know you're trying to defend my argument here, but if we can all just be calm and respectful, that would be, I think that would go a long way to keeping it that super visceral hatred out of local politics. Yeah, you have to lead by example and uh, be accountable to your own direction. I Absolutely. think that it's, it's only fair to only evaluate what, what is out there and what's, what's being done. I, the tea leave reading and all this stuff is just not not for anybody's benefit i think it it generates a cycle of tag that is less and less interesting to people that want to see meaningful solutions Mm -hmm. that work in the community that have good results for the most people um let's talk 
uh, maybe a little bit about tax increment financing. This is my bailiwick. This is my <laughs> precious darling. I don't know much about it, I will say. I'm still learning. I think it's, it's, it's a hot button without people knowing that that is the underlying mechanism, mm -hmm. okay? We're going to host some folks out here to have further conversations on it, people that have studied it, produced reports for state auditors yeah. that are going to really provide the meaningful context for what it does. So what always comes out about tax increment financing is the change that's happening. What doesn't come out is the slow deletion of the funding base for other county services that get left out of these expanded uh, revenues that take place for 30 years. Yeah. And as we've just seen with Easton, uh, can get renewed for another 30 years. That's 60 years of public subsidy in one way or another in creating advantaged tax structures. Mm -hmm. Uh, we know that taxes can be polarizing across every political line. So why don't you talk a little bit about uh, the tax situation here in Ohio and about locally what you think can be done to manage it? Well, I would like to say that uh, the state of Ohio, in our budget that we most recently passed, we did lower our income tax. I think it's now 3.75% for those making 100000 plus and 2.75% uh, for those making 35000 to $100,000, and those making below 35000 don't pay any income tax. Um, so that's that's what the new uh, rates are for the state of Ohio. Um, but I know that we just increased our um, local income tax by 0.5% uh, for the recreation center. Parks and Rec. Yeah, looking forward to it. I think it'll be great. I think we can make a few more changes to make it more cost-effective, such as bringing a public-private partnership for the YMCA. Uh, but we can talk about that later at a, or uh, another date. Um, but... Uh, taxes are important. They keep up our infrastructure. Um, they're very important for our sewer and uh, our, our aging sewer lines. Uh, I know we're thinking about replacing them in the next 10 to 20 years here at Old Hilliard because we are using 100-year sewer lines. Um, but as far as TIF goes, um, I'm def definitely um, typically not in favor of TIF. I want to avoid it at all costs. Um, I know ADS was a great project that came along, and I, I see that it was carefully curated and uh, made sure that they were a long-time uh, Hilliard resident and that they were going to stick around. So I think that it should be used rarely, unlike Columbus, which uses it like left and right. They're like handing candy out on Halloween to whoever developer wants to use TIF. And Franklin County uh, accounts for 40% of the overall TIF volume for the state of Ohio. And it's charting on the same track and similar tracks that got the thing declared illegal in California back in the mm -hmm. 70s, which, you know, this is history. This is things that have happened before, and I would argue that we should pay more attention to history yeah, in this let's, regard. Let's not repeat history. I think yeah. that's a under overused statement, but no one seems to learn from it. Yeah, those echoes can be quite painful. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, Don't do what California does. Well, hey, no, I mean, California's got a lot of beautiful coastline, and I mean, all yeah, sorts the of... Yeah, their state government didn't provide that. <laughs> but, but, our, but our Franklin County, our price home prices are getting pretty close to California prices almost. Uh, they're definitely increasing there. In, I mean, they're going up. It's well, like for, for a young person, it looks like California prices, I should say. Sure, uh, absolutely. <laughs> In your Meet the Candidate uh, statement, you talked a little bit about that, and you actually cited a pretty specific statistic. You said 72% uh, of people... Uh, Gen Z. Gen Z, thank you, uh, don't want apartments. They want homes, and they want them under $250,000. <laughs> well, if wishes and buts, and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Uh, when I moved to Hilliard, uh, just at the peak before the 2008 financial crash, we paid something like $144,000 for a house in Hilliard Beacon neighborhood. Mm -hmm. From there, that home has added $100,000 of value. How do you tell people that live in homes that they thought were going to be affordable but are now staring at outsized property tax bills uh, what that mean? How how does that play uh, to our established neighborhoods? How does that play to single family housing need and demand? When you see homes, single family homes, add a hundred thousand dollars worth of value over the course of fifteen years, that's I mean I didn't do much to my house. I got to tell you, except sure. mow the grass. But what what's going on there? What's going on in Hilliard that drives that value up and makes it harder to keep people in those homes? 
Well, I think there's multiple different factors. The biggest one being is that we have uh, COVID brought down interest rates. So that's what a lot of people bought up their homes for. Uh, we have Franklin County, who's increasing by, I think it was 600000 in the next 10 years, what we're seeing. Um, so that all plays in a factor of home value. Um, and um, uh, brain fart. Uh, <laughs> um but as far as uh, affordable homes go, we can definitely still build those in that 250 price range. Uh, it's, it's doable to, to create that, open up and free that housing market so the older people can move out and uh, go to that single um, floor ranch home. My mom would love to do that. She'd love to leave her house in Lakewood, uh, but she can't because of these crazy house prices. Uh, she'd basically paying the same to downsize than what she currently owns, and to her, that's not worth it. Um, but there are several ways that I I've done extensive research in uh, that I'd be happy to share with um, as far as we can build these affordable smaller homes to create this cycle. Right now, there's no cycle. There's a stagnant, which is why we're seeing such an issue and such an increase in prices. Sure. Yeah. There's been a lot of statistics about the lack of added housing over the last several years in Hilliard. It's not like there's affording affordable housing in any city or metro area like Columbus. In the country, there's no affordable housing. No, I know, but he's suggesting that in order to meet demand, in order to be an attractive city, you have to be able to produce this missing middle housing option. The community plan has a lot of suggestions about different types of middle-income housing and and middle-level housing. That's the patio homes, the, the carriage houses, all those things. It's about getting the zoning situation approved. It's also about kind of as you said, creating a system where you get certain range of developers, Mm -hmm. you develop relationships with those people, and they actually want to pursue those land agreements that they can put in their 20 or 30 individual carriage houses or their patio or their those uh, in-facing developments where they all kind of face a a common yard and that type of thing. There's all sorts of stuff in that range, and it's expressed here and available, but it's Picking the winners and losers, finding developers who want to build that stuff, and then drawing them to Hilliard to produce models at two hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollars. Do you think you can do it without city incentive? I think so. Yes. Um, one of my uh, ways that I've done lots of research in. Uh, first off, I like to say I like to doom scroll on Zillow. That's what our young generation likes to call it. Right. Uh, the, ones we... <laughs> on, the ones that got away and never were on the hook. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we just look and we're like, oh sure, no, we could never there. afford. I mean, yeah. You know, we're we're sitting on substantial value, but yeah. at the same time, going from substantial value to uh, we're right up against it again, yeah. which everybody's up against it. But mm-hmm. go ahead, please expand on what you're saying. You've done a little bit of research on how you create those relationships. So, so, well, uh, one, one, one unique uh, situation that we could do as far as uh, finding this affordable housing is to go through modular homes. Uh, modular homes is a great solution. Um, they, they come in typically fifty dollars to $100,000 under your typical home-built house because um, they're all prefabricated in a factory. And if you go on their websites of some of these new modular homes, you couldn't tell the difference that they were a, a, a modular home next to a, a normal freestanding home. Um, so uh, t- from what I've been looking at, you can easily get a 1,300, 1,400-square-foot 1400 modular home for well under $250,000, including installation, including land, including everything. Uh, so that is definitely an option to build that. Um, as an option in creating the zoning to follow along with that yes right right kevin what do we have i think where are we on time tim it's got to be close to 45 we're really around 40 cruising today nice uh 46 minutes or so i guess we started a little after five what do you have my friend you got to have something (laughs) i've been monopolizing too much of this conversation We've been on point with some pretty specific questions. Uh, JT, do you have any goals, things you would like to be considered or implemented? Open Canvas to discuss what other things that you think might need addressed. As significant as the community plan is, it is not the only thing in the universe. Oh, absolutely. So, absolutely. Uh, what are some other topics or things that um, you would like to see Hilliard City Council and um, uptake next year? 
Well, uh, one thing that is mentioned in the comp plan that I do like is the walkability. Uh, I think it's great. We need, definitely need to increase that walkability and bikeability, uh, keep connecting our trails and paths around Franklin County, finally connect out to Plain City. I was talking to a Plain City representative uh, last week at an event we were hosting, um, and they said that they were finally going to connect with Hillard. So I was like, thank heavens. Can't wait for that. Um, and maybe, maybe someday. I know it's in the comp plan, so hopefully it'll happen. They've been talking about it since I was in eighth grade. Uh, we'll finally have a path from my neighborhood, Lakewood, to Bradley High School because I can see it across the cornfield. It would be nice to be able to walk, walk and bike there, save some school resources by having those kids uh, walk and bike instead of using uh, those buses. Um, but that's one thing. The other thing I had is, let me find it here on my handy-dandy cheat sheet. Um Oh, the uh, Amtrak station. I figured I'd mention that. Um, it's the first person to bring it up. Really? I've been meaning to bring it up with everybody. Absolutely. And I mentioned when we were talking to Pete Marsh yesterday. I yeah. haven't asked anybody. Caught him on the way out the door. <laughs> brought up I did. <laughs> I think um, as we're seeing the airline industry increase their prices because they know that we can pay it. I think it's important that we create alternative forms of transportation. Let's go back to our roots. Hilliard has a great, that's how we were all came to be was because of our uh, station as we were called Hilliard station. Let's go back to that. I think it's great. Um, I, I think we're already well on our way of getting an Amtrak station. I don't think we need to go bend over backwards to build all this uh, apartments um, and mixed use development around the Amtrak station. I think we already are on well on our way of getting that naturally. Um, but overall, I think um, a station in the city of Hillary will be a great asset to us, um, definitely help us put us on the map um, and help create an alternative form of transportation that our uh, country direly needs. Why do we want to be on the map in that way? I think it's important to um, just to be on a, any transportation map, I think is uh, for me, I'm a transportation nerd. So I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool to have a, a train station. I think it'd be cool to have an airport. I think uh, I went to uh, the, the the unveiling of the new uh, Columbus airport that we're going to get in the next 10 years. I thought that was that we're going to become a next big hub, hopefully maybe get a, a, a flights to Europe. Um, but I think it's important that if they see us as that station, we can create naturally uh, unique businesses around the area and around Tilliard just help us again put this go back to our roots. Do you suppose that putting the Amtrak station in Hilliard, um, what are some of the challenges you think we will find in making sure that station is neighborly? What do you mean by that? Like neighborly. Neighborly. <laughs> I worry about the So it isn't like the place on Wilson Road? Right. That I'm I'm wondering. It's a Greyhound, isn't it? It's a Greyhound bus stop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's her, that they, They're shutting that down, I think. I have not heard where that's going, uh, other than it apparently appeared there unbeknownst to most of the people who live there and was set yeah. up there with little regard to how to, again, that's just what I read through other media, with little regard to how to effectively plan and... and, and um, right, so when you... And serve the people who, um, when you, who use it. When you create a node in a transportation mm -hmm. hub, where anybody from Pittsburgh or Chicago or uh, wherever they're riding the train from, their first stop as they stagger off the train <laughs> and start lurching through the streets of yeah. Hilliard. You see that becoming a <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 well. No, we're, we're not going to we're not going to be the hub station. The hub station is going to be under the convention center. Is what the plan proposes. We're just going to be a substation. Oh, for like them. a stop Since, on the way. Yes. Okay, Since you brought this that. up, I've only thought, and we mentioned this to, to Pete Marsh on the way out, and you and I talked about this, Jordan. Mm -hmm. Put an Amtrak station here. Geez, I can go to Cubs and White Sox games because mm -hmm. I'm a baseball fan. Cincinnati. I can go too. to Pittsburgh. I can go to Cincinnati. Easier. Yeah. Very. I haven't thought about it in the inverse. People will come to Columbus exactly. from these cities, hopefully. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, every, why? Every Yinzer gets off. Well, well they if, come if here to overtake. Uh, they, they come here to overtake the nationwide arena when no, the Penguins no, play no, here. No, 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 no. The, the soccer, the soccer, the soccer. Hopefully, we become the Midwest Maybe soccer so. mecca. That would be great. I love. I love the idea of the crew uh, becoming. A meaningful franchise for the United States. Are, are we doing any good this year, the the crew team? Are we? They're 
retooling. Okay. I think that's the default answer. <laughs> Just like the Browns and the Bengals yeah, and everything? Perpetual. They score between zero and three goals a game. So mm-hmm. the interesting thing about um, the the idea of returning the rail track to Hilliard is the idea is that it would go on the easternmost original rail track, closer to the highway, yeah. uh, closer to 270, Lake on and all that. And the other retired rail corridor hopefully would be part of that pedestrian and uh, rails-to-trail connectivity. Mm-hmm. So That's kind of uh, making use of the history in two ways. So uh, I think that would serve two very nice purposes for our community. And really, truthfully, if that pedestrian pathway comes together uh, through the back of Scioto Darby and down and down through there, it will really transverse the city in an interesting way for people to mingle through the neighborhoods in ways that they haven't before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, easy access to Old Hilliard and downtown Hilliard and northern parts of Hilliard will be uh, much better now or in the future if that does come to pass. And just as a final question from me, uh, you mentioned the mobility and connectivity. Are there any other uh, sections of the community plan, say out of the five focus areas, uh, potentially that you were most interested in talking about or making a priority to mind through that planning and zoning process or make sure it doesn't take any wrong turns in your opinion or what you can do through city council? Well, I think another area that we can definitely look at is the Darby Accord area. Um, I know there there's a proposition is to increase it by 70%. Um, and with, uh, with Representative Stewart representing Plain City, we've already been approached by them with the great concerns that the EPA is going to increase it to 70%. They don't have that threshold. Um, I personally think that the fact that they weren't included in this initial process, that they probably shouldn't be forced to go to that 70% threshold. Um, like the city of Hilliard, at least Hilliard, we had the chance to sit down and we talked about it. And we're, and we're still working through that process. But I think that 70% is definitely uh, too high of a threshold. It's definitely a good way to kill development. Really, the only two things that you could build with 70% is $2 million homes on one-acre lots. I know Les Curier mentioned that in the last uh, the, the, the last one he was here last week, um, or uh, apartments. And I don't think neither of those are, uh, more specifically apartments, aren't really appropriate in the Darby area. I think we should be focusing on those, again, Missing middle, affordable, owner-occupied housing, we can build a few of those bigger, larger homes. Uh, but again, the biggest issue that we need to look at is we sh- they should be hooking up to our sewer and water line. They shouldn't be sticking poop in the ground. Cause what- <laughs> yeah, they mentioned the uh, individual property owners just making their own septic yeah. uh, systems and things like that, and they're concerned about uh, contamination. And the federal EPA has been weakened on a lot of the definitions of how the water, contiguous bodies of water and things like that are defined. And that'll be another process that locally has to get hashed out yeah. down here at this level. We've had uh, somebody like Brian Guerra in who's very closely watched this whole process and become a representative member of those boards and bodies. Yeah. Uh, and there are dual purposes here. I think people are always going to want to put things in nice places in undeveloped areas Mm -hmm. and if people sell to them then people can build on them and all the things down the line uh tim is of the opinion if you don't want things there don't zone for them there Mm -hmm. and in the green belt conservation strategy uh when you can define a purpose like that Mm -hmm. it makes it easier to draw hard lines do you feel uh standing up to developers and standing up to people's uh capital interest is part of your job or future job as a city council member here in Hilliard. I feel like it's important that we pick the developers that will best suit and best align with the the goals and the vision for the city of Hilliard. But as far as personal property taxes go, if they want to sell it, they can sell it. We just got to make sure that, take for example Norwich, they're calling and pressuring um, those people in Norwich. They're like, hey, this is what your house will look like behind a four-story and five-story I've heard garage. That. I, if that's true, I would like to see some more proof of that because I heard that talking point about somebody using their development clout to threaten uh, some small homeowner or whatever. But Norwich Street has golf carts. I don't know <laughs> anybody that's too worried about their uh, property values who's – tooling around old Hilliard in a golf cart. Yeah, if those if those threats are being made, 
that's something. You, yeah, we, we do want to know about wanna, that. We yeah. for sure. There, there, there are, and I, I, I encourage you to reach out to Les. He has all those contacts, um, and he should be able to provide you with that. But uh, I, I definitely think that developers are doing that. That's not okay. Um, but if ultimately, if if someone wants to freely decide to sell their property, they should, by all means, do it. This is America, as they say. <laughs> that's true. You're allowed to sell your stuff. Well, what do you say, fellas? I think we're at about an hour. Kevin, you've got your final question to I get have, in. I do have okay. one more question. Oh, yeah, please, guys. Go, go, go. Yes. I have one, too. I want to JT's oh. young, and he can okay. handle it. I'm happy to do it. I have <laughs> nothing going on. <laughs> you so, mentioned earlier. Are you good? I, I figured, were you going to do a music question? Well, we discussed that off recording beforehand, and I, and I wasn't sure I should be asking JT about rock history and things that we had <sighs> dropped on some other people. <laughs> so no, it was not a music question. Okay, it was, was not gonna, a music question. I was going to ask him about books. Okay, my question was or is, um, you mentioned earlier in our podcast um, that you might intend to live here, uh, raise a family here. I'd love to. Okay, so um, I'm a lifelong resident here. Uh, I live in Darby Glen. That was a farm field when I was in high school. Yeah. Uh, just last month, they drained Blatt's Lake. So. Uh, we can't leave things uh, always the same the way they are. Correct. Progress so, is inevitable. What are some things that you like about Hilliard that you choose or would want to live here and raise a family here? First of all, what are the things that you find so uh, beneficial and that you enjoy about Hilliard that you do want to stay here? And what are some of those things that you would want to try to protect um, that will survive and be there when you're my age. Yeah. Well, I love the village and the community. Um, that's one thing. Uh, my, my mother is a single mom raising two boys, and she, she really struggled um, to, to, to decide whether to move to a cheaper area or stay here. But she ultimately decided because Hillard is such a great area, such community, such great people that we should stay here. And I really do appreciate that. I have some great friends, great neighbors, and I, I love and appreciate that. I want to stay here. Uh, my neighborhood, Lakewood, was a cornfield before we moved in, so I understand. Um, but... Um, other things is it's just a unique it's it's a mix of rural yet suburban feel to it um and i definitely like to keep that of, of that feeling i don't want to become another uh, just another copy fat copycat cookie cutter of the next dublin the next gahanna the next um uh, Grandview. I think we can definitely keep our unique rural slash suburban um, to just make us help us stand out in that area. Um, I, I love the school district. The school district did wonderful mm -hmm. wonders to me, uh, helped me to be where I am today. Um, definitely love Bradley. Go Jaguars. Uh, super happy they're still undefeated. <laughs> they're coming along. They're coming along. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, uh, I, I would love to have kids go through the school district. Um, Until they play a parochial school in the state playoffs. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. And also the traffic. There really isn't uh, – as far as going to downtown every day, it's a breeze. It's 20 minutes from my house to the, the Vern Rife building, which is wonderful. Uh, I'd love to keep that, keep it that way, uh, less traffic. I don't want it to become the next Gahanna and the next New Albany where it takes me an hour just to go 10 miles. I think that's horrendous, and I don't want to see that come to the city of Hilliard at all. Heard on that. Uh, well, Tim? Tim? I just wanted uh, to ask you, uh, read any good books you no know, you're a bright <laughs> you're a bright guy uh what are some of the books that you've read that uh have been important to you uh that kind of would give us a view to who you are and 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 uh what you care about such a deeper question than my music service <laughs> boys oh, boy. boys you're both pretty it's fine <laughs> no i like to talk about books with people that's how you know what they care about well, uh, I will say one of my favorite books probably of all time is an atlas. Okay. Um, I used to go to the library and get the biggest atlases I could find. Um, I know, super oh. weird. I would spend hours poring over atlases. No, I studied uh, <laughs> maps. I learned all the state capitals in grade school on my own. No, I get them. I used to get an atlas every year for my birthday. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, they're they're great. So I would my my mom would always say, "Why do you always have to get the biggest books in the library?" I was like, "They're atlases. They're super <laughs> cool to look at." Um, so, but other books I've read, um, my favorite is the um, "Who Killed?" I think it is is the title of it. So like the Bill O'Reilly books. Yeah, the Bill O'Reilly books. Killing Kennedy. Yeah, killing killing Kennedy. Killing Jesus. Yeah, killing Abraham. Yeah, all that. Um, super fascinating books to uh, those are. read. I read those. Um, I'm starting to read the Grant book. I've, I'm only like one or two pages in, so don't don't 
don't quiz me on that. It's like a 1,200-page book uh, that I think uh, I really like enjoy. Ulysses Grant? It's a biography? <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. it's a biography. Um, and then my favorite all-time book series probably has to be the Unwind Trilogy. Um, it basically takes place in future. Uh, one of the main reasons I got engaged for it because the main character is from Akron, Ohio. So I was like, Ohio, yeah. <laughs> Actually represented in a book for once. Um, but it's a great, great Good trilogy. Good future, bad future. Ooh, pretty bad future, basically, yeah. Akron squeaks it. <laughs> They're going to make it. Somebody's making it out of Akron. I knew that going into any future. <laughs> bad future, but definitely an entertaining uh, a, a good book and definitely dives into the, um, the, the philosophical side of abortion. So definitely recommend it for anyone. It's definitely like a, an interesting read is all I'll say. <laughs> oh. All right. There you have it, folks. It's another one in the books for us. This has been another uh, Hilliard Beacon election special. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, We've had J.T. Eiseldike, excuse me. I was so convinced I was right. I apologize. And you saw how easily I won these two over to my my incorrect opinion. That's what we've been hearing from it. That's what... Uh, how a lot of people if, if i if i got a quarter for every yeah, time someone said it wrong i'd probably be a millionaire at this point so well, it's we'll, okay we'll do our best to, <laughs> to, to make it right uh in the podcast so uh jt eiseldike again thank you very much for coming out and joining us this evening and uh folks out there we'd love for you to continue along with us like support subscribe Uh, where you can share to all your friends and neighbors and get everybody else involved in this because uh, we are doing this for you. We are going to try to profile every single person seeking election office this year uh, if they're willing to come in and sit down with us like JT was today. So uh, thank you again to our listenership and thank you again to JT. We appreciate you coming out today and hopefully it's not the last time. So uh, we wish you luck in this election season and uh, until next time, folks out there in the world, good evening. How was that, Tim? Did I do okay? Pretty good. Good night, everybody.